I am mining investor and editor of Resource Stock Digest, Gerardo Del Real, here with my partner, Mr. Nick Hodge, who's also an investor and the publisher of Daily Profit Cycle. This is the 235th episode of our weekly therapy session that we call Investing in Bizarro World. We're going to talk markets. We're going to talk Beaver Creek Conference coming up. Looking forward to catching up with a lot of you out there. We're going to talk interest rates. We'll talk gold. We'll touch on some lithium M&A. As usual, in the beginning of September, it's starting to pick up again, Nick. First and foremost, how are you today, sir? Doing great, Gerardo. Got the kids back in school, um, starting to do the the homework uh, back into a routine. Looking forward to these conferences, as you mentioned. Looking forward to um, hunting season and, and putting the fishing rods away. And um, ready for fall, which is, uh, I don't know if it's my favorite season. I like winter too, but but fall's up there. I like it. Let's uh, let's get right into it. We have a dollar index over 105 now of capital outflows um, persistently out of China into the U.S., pushing the dollar higher. But other macro factors at play, thought on the dollar. I mean, gold is still holding up well above the 1900 level. Technically still looks beautiful. Um, psychologically still very boring for most speculators and investors out there, right? I see a lot of uh, capitulatory type tweets on the Twitterverse, and that tells me I should probably be adding to my gold positions here in the near term. But thoughts on the dollar, thoughts on gold, and then we'll talk broader indices here in just a second. Yeah, dollar strong because the the Fed remains uh, hawkish and is likely going to uh, hike again, uh, not this month, but um, in November, you're you're well over a forty percent chance now, as that that CPI is is going to reinflate and is going to stay sticky in between three and and three and a half percent for the next coming quarters, uh, simply because oil is now back over eighty five dollars and has gone up twenty five percent in the in the past three months. So um, the market is pricing in the Fed continuing to be hawkish and fiscally responsible, um, and that's why the, the dollar <laughs> is strong. What what what's interesting is. Uh, I'm, now I'm going to digress because I was I had on the Bloomberg earlier while I was eating my lunch and <laughs> they were talking about how these wind farms are having trouble getting off the ground, even with the help of the Inflation Reduction Act, because you know why, Gerardo? Because uh, the inflation is is still so high that um, the prices for the inputs for the wind turbines are, are making it cost prohibitive. And uh, the Bloomberg um, discussion was noting that perhaps even the Inflation Reduction Act was making it worse. How, how ironic. You mean when they print money to bring down inflation, thereby injecting money into the system and then providing hundreds of billions of dollars in tax incentives um, to corporations, that actually causes inflation? It doesn't reduce right. it? Right. Uh, and so we, Who could have guessed this? I mean, come on, Nick. How, how, how would they have known? Well, inflation was going down for the past year. You will, of course, recall from 9% to, uh, I guess, 3.1% was the latest print, but yeah, now the, that that stimulus, well, that's not a stimulus, that that legislative money, that 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 incentive money, let's call it from the bill, is working its way through the system. And um, yeah, of course, that, that, that contributes to an inflation as well. So uh, to finish my thought from the Fed, um, likely a hike in November, I would say. Um, I would also say that that's probably the last one because, um, you know, Goldilocks has run out of the house and is nowhere to be found uh, at this point. We just had a really a soft August for uh, the S&P. And then, um, you know, uh, we touched on this last week, but that consumer and the employment piece is really the last the, the, the last thing that has to go, right? Housing went, and we've talked about the hope. Housing uh, orders, the ISM uh, 
manufacturing has been below, uh, uh, new orders has been below 50 for the past 11 months, which is contractionary. Um, and then profits, um, which we just had the second quarter earnings. The dust has now settled on that. And um, the S&P company's earnings growth was in fact negative, minus 4.1%. And that brings us to the E and hope, which is employment. Um, and you're starting to see cracks there, right? The, the June number was revised down by um, over 100,000 jobs, I believe it was. The the July number was revised down by by 30,000 jobs, the, the non-farm payrolls I'm talking about. Um, the August number was uh, a beat, but then again, so was the June and July numbers, which were subsequently uh, reduced way down. Um, Q2 GDP was just revised down from 2.4% to 2.1%. Uh, and then um, you're starting to get a tick up in uh, temp workers being laid off or, or companies not using uh, temp workers. And so that's typically the first thing that goes, right? You you stop hiring temp workers or you cut back their hours, then you cut back your internal staff's hours, um, and then you lay off, right? So um, we're seeing the temp uh, slow down now. Reuters had an article about it this week. Wall Street Journal had an article about it this week. And um, the line they're taking is that it's different this time, that, that this time... Uh, uh, <laughs> A, a slowdown in, in temp work doesn't portend a, a slowdown and then the rest of the employment space as it always typically does. Um, it's funny that the that, that this time <laughs> is different is always the same line. Isn't that ironic? Uh, it's the funny, most man. oxymoronic thing on the planet. Right. So all those things mm-hmm. cascading, right? Those earnings cascading down, those new orders cascading down, now trickling to uh, temp work and is ultimately going to get to employment. And, and, and you know, my crystal ball says um, one more hike tips that over. Uh, we get that zero to negative growth in, in Q4 and in Q1. We get that recession that the, the yield curve says is, um, is still coming. And then the Fed has to uh, capitulate, which will weaken the dollar um, and um, likely send gold uh, pretty high. So um, you mentioned gold, and that's the last thing I'll mention uh, before I give it back to you, is a correlation with the dollar uh, relatively breaking down. Look, the dollar screamed higher for the past three or four weeks. Like I was looking at daily candles and they were all green for like the past six or seven of them. I mean, going from 99 to 105 in a hurry. And um, it didn't send gold down sharply. I mean, starting to move to the lower end of its range of 1920 or something today when I looked, but I'm holding up well. And so uh, yeah, gold stocks and, and silver stocks, uh, are they in the toilet? Yeah, I guess I was looking at at, at silver and, and gold ETFs uh, this week, and then they were near 52-week lows. So yeah, you know, gold going to the low end of that range we've been discussing, uh, time to buy. Let's, um, let, let's talk. I'm going to be all over the place on this one because we have a, a conference to get ready for, right? Beaver Creek. I, I encourage anybody that's out there, as I mentioned in the intro, if you're out there, we'll be out there with our talented camera crew. Nick will be out there. I will be out there. We'll be vetting companies, speaking with companies, uh, filming a whole ton of exclusive content for you all. So I encourage everybody, um, if you're a subscriber to the paid publications that you can subscribe to on at digestpublishing.com, you'll get it first. Uh, the free sites, resourcestockdigest.com and dailyprofitcycle.com will get it shortly thereafter but really looking forward to that if you're out there drop us a line it's a busy schedule um we're jammed back back to back but it should be a whole heck of a lot of fun and there's always a lot of due diligence that goes on at these conferences so i say all that to say this uh particular podcast will try to be uh 30 minutes or less but i have to highlight moss and gold because we talked gold and they had a 404 meter hit of 5.1 grams per ton gold equivalent um just an absolutely spectacular hit from the sunday creek project in australia that's turning out to be the hottest gold discovery 
um, in Australia in recent memory. And look, it's um, their, their, their subsidiary, SXG, Southern Cross Gold, which trades on the ASX, owns that 100%. Moss and Gold, of course, owns 51% of that company. And so I will, I will speculate that Mawson's market cap, despite being up, you know, some 70% over the past week or so, um, largely on, on the heels of the, those those results, um, the market cap for Mawson, just based on its 51% ownership of SXG, and there's other port projects in that portfolio, is 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 probably half of what it should be, given the fact that I think, you know, Sunday Creek is turning out to be a very, very special high-grade, multi-million ounce deposit that seems to be open on all ends and at depth with just phenomenal grades. So keep an eye on Moss and Gold. I think if you're looking, and I've been saying this before, I said it when it was 12 cents and 15 cents, it's closer to 30 cents now. But even then with uh, with a market cap of, of 65-ish million, heck of a gold speculation if you want some torque in this market. And oh yeah, by the way, they have uh, some other assets in their portfolio that also have you know multi-million ounce potential. Um, in other parts of the world. One of the best technical teams out there. Michael Hudson is one of my favorite people in the space. So give Moss and Gold a look. We'll be catching up with them in Beaver Creek later next week. This week, by the time that you all read and see this. Um, let's pivot real quick. I want to talk the critical metals. Rare earth prices are up um, to, to, to highs not seen in years, right? They're up some 38% here. Uh, 20 you're month like high. NDPR you're talking about? Uh, the rare earths. Yeah, and NDPR. Like, are you oh, talking no, about? Like... Oh, I mean the actual metals. Just, just the basket of the seventeen rare earth metals. Got yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. They're they're up to twenty month high. Um, Myanmar, right? Well, one of the uh one of the major producers um suspended production. They have some inspections coming up. A lot of speculation there. But the bottom line is, we've talked about China potentially weaponizing uh the rare earth space with critical medicals, critical metals becoming such a, a strategic and significant part of this global cold war that I think we're already engaged in with China, Russia, Japan, and us on the other side of it. But watch the rare earth space. It's getting really interesting. The metals, the prices are getting real interesting. It's curious to me to see what happens over the next coming weeks and months. And then look, we talk lithium almost every week here. We absolutely have to, because no matter what Kathy Wood tells you, um, lithium is, is going to continue to run. And if for anybody that believes this bottoming in the lithium spot price and this recent consolidation is going to be prolonged. Um, I would I would defer not to me, defer to the experts. The experts are the albemarles of the world that need the inputs, right? They need the chemicals, they need the supply. And they just made a third bid for Lion Town Resources, a bid um, now up to $4.3 billion or $3 per share um, in Australian dollars. And so, you know, they started at 220 and they came up all the way to three. The interesting thing to note there is that the stock actually traded above that level in the latest trading section on the Australian exchange. And so I'm curious to see if there's another suitor that wants to come in and maybe take it. I know Albemarle's not going to be happy and I doubt that they sit, you know, on, on, on hands and knees and allow that to happen after being so aggressive and working so hard on the deal. But I've said it before, I'll say it again, paying subscribers, you already know my thoughts on, on the coming uh, lithium uh, bidding wars. It's going to be real nice to own a tier one deposit with great infrastructure, simple flow sheets, um, low cost energy inputs, neutral energy inputs, and likely what's going to be probably, you know, the biggest or second biggest um, lithium deposit on the planet here in short order. So 
my way of saying keep an eye on Patriot. Also, a lot of um, downstream action that a lot of the better explorers that has significant success are going to be able to enjoy. So plan on squeezing that orange as much as I possibly can. Any thoughts there, Nick? I love squeezing oranges. Um, I think Benchmark was out with some updated lithium uh, forecast this week. That's what I was frantically Googling for, but uh, I didn't get there in time. If memory serves, it was something like we need five to six times the amount of lithium production uh, by 2030 than we currently have now. And so, um, yeah, not going away. Um, All the fundamentals uh, remain in place and and we can continue to see announcements from the the battery makers and the the audio manufacturers about uh, building new plants and and needing to secure more supply. And so um, market's been soft. Market sent Albemarle down uh, actually on that deal. I think it's at near 52-week lows. Last time it was there, I, I was telling you I was a buyer. Um, and I've been seeing articles about it, you know, uh, Albemarle being a, a potential value trap. Uh, I'm not sure that's the case as the you know, leading lithium chemical producer um, in the world, giving the the, the the demand that's slated for the next couple of years. So, um, no, good for the sector. Um, it consolidates the sector and um, should likely be get more uh, consolidation uh, in the coming months as um you know, these, these larger uh, chemical production companies, either not integrated or uh, integrated, need to um, they grow their production pro- profiles and grow their asset base. And um, they get ready to supply the um, lithium that the world is going to need for the, the next couple of decades. I seem to have lost my my partner there, uh, Mr. Del Real. So uh, I'll carry on. Um on my own, uh, the topics we had listed here were uh, about the Texas grid, which is back in the news uh, this week as they uh, had extremely high temperatures and, and there was warnings coming from the grid that, um, you know, essentially uh, renewables weren't making up the difference, didn't have the capacity factor. And so um, they were firing uh, up their natural gas plants and, um, you know, uh, coal plants and, and nuclear plants. Uh, obviously, coal and, and nuclear still uh, making up the, the majority of that. Uh, backbone there, this problem of, you know, uh, outstripped uh, supply uh, for um, the grid is is not going away. And and then not just in Texas, we've seen this in other places. And, and certainly as there's going to continue to be um, stresses on the, the grid and, and higher temperatures and extreme weather events, um, it's uh, 100 degrees on, on the East Coast, for example. I was talking to a family in Maryland this weekend and, and, and watching the, the U.S. tennis open in, in New York and it was over 110 degrees on on the court there, and so these pressures are on the grid are going to continue, and it's you know uh, one reason why uh, lithium is going to continue as we 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 seek to do um, energy storage increasingly, and and one reason why why nuclear is going to um, continue to be in the mix with um, the number of supporters it has actually growing. Uh, worth mentioning, I guess, is is that um, John Kerry. Is is now on board with um, nuclear and is 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 on a world tour touting uh, small modular reactors and how they can be uh, beneficial in 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 the the fight against climate change and, and decarbonization. So, um, growing proponents of, of nuclear. Just the 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 latest there, uranium prices remain over over sixty dollars, and we've got uh, utilities coming into the. Uh, space to contract, which is a good thing. So we remain bullish on uranium. Um, what else is going on out there for us this week? Um, 
I was going to talk about universal basic income um, because I've written about it from from time to time over the the, the past couple of years and and continue to be not necessarily a, a proponent but um, or an advocate, but maybe a, a quasi believer in a, a UBI um, and how it can alleviate some of the the wealth disparity in this country and um, some of the homelessness uh, problems that uh, we're experiencing in North America, not just the U.S., but increasingly in Canada as well. And you know, we often search for what are the solutions. Well, you know, one of the things I've said is you know, giving money to people if the if the housing is a is a function of not having money to to pay for housing. Um, the, giving money to people might be one way to combat that. Of course, you know, having more houses is another way, but let's set that aside for a second. So, um, especially in the context of, of all the money that we create out of, out of thin air for, you know, all the other things, the defense budgets and the, um, entitlement programs and, the the, you know, giving to the Ukraine, uh, for example, and, and we know how it's created, right? I mean, whether it's for Nike on 60 Minutes or, or Jerome Powell talking about, you know, how they essentially, you know, create money out of thin air. If we could do that, it seems like one good use might be getting people off the streets and uh, eradicating some of the the wealth disparity if we can just uh, create the money out of thin air. And so uh, a study caught my eye this week out of Canada. Uh, it was a 12-month study where they gave uh, 50 people uh, 7500 bucks, no questions asked. Uh, there's a stipulation that you had to be homeless, uh, previously homeless for six months, and 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 you weren't uh, dependent on um, the substance. You weren't a drug addict. Um, and they gave the 50 people uh, 7500 bucks, and then there was a, a control group. And um, I guess I could just read you some of the results. But um, the bottom line was that uh, it, it, it worked. Um, it says not only did those who received the money spend fewer days homeless than those in the control group, uh, they had also moved into stable housing after an average of three months compared to those in the control group who took an average of three months. Um, and 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 equally as important is that it, it saved money. Um, let me get to that section of it. So um, it costs on average $55,000 a year for social and health services for one homeless person. Uh, according to this study data where they gave people 7500 bucks. Um, the project shaved, saved the saved the shelter system uh, approximately eighty one hundred bucks per person uh, for a total savings of four hundred and five thousand dollars over the year for those fifty people. So uh, I talk to people about this, right? I talk to friends, uh, colleagues, and they, you know, depending on where they are in the political spectrum, depending on where they are on, you know, how they feel about taxes and, and government, they have different, you know, initial responses. And the more I talk to them, the more I say, yeah, but we just make we. Just, create money for all sorts of other things. Why, why don't we create it for, for, for people? And the more I talk to them about it, I, I, I can get people to warm up to the idea. And so I, I'm not saying let's implement this right now, but I am saying let, let's study this more and then see if we can bear these results out on a, on a larger scale. And um, I realize it doesn't solve the, the underlying um, you know, mental health issues, drug issues, housing shortage issues. But um, if it does get these people off the street and, and save the, the, the shelter program's money, then it um, it seems like one um, avenue that we can pursue. What else? This. Um, yes. We'll just share a story and 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 talk about some recent news in Pennsylvania, where there was uh, an escaped convict um, who there's a manhunt for. His name is Danilo Cavalcante, and. 
he escaped from a prison in outside of Philadelphia by shimmying himself up two walls. There were there were two walls that he was able to put his feet on one and his hands are on the other and shimmy up the walls and um, over. And he's been out for something like a, a week and a half or um, two weeks. They spotted him a couple times and it hits relatively close to home because uh, one of the places they spotted him was at a place called Longwood Gardens, which is um, an arboretum of sorts, you know, different uh, gardens and, and outdoor exhibits. Um uh, plants, et cetera. Um, it's like 45 minutes north of my, my parents' house. So um, I, I, I just been watching this, this story. It's very interesting. You don't have a lot of escaped convicts in, in 2023. And uh, this one is grabbing some, some national news, but it made me think back when, when, when I was a kid um, in, the, in the same area, in the, it's called the tri-state area, the corner, the northeast corner of Maryland, where it meets the Delaware and Pennsylvania. That's where this you know, gentleman is, 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 is currently running around. Um, but when I was in high school, there was another escaped convict and this story brought back to mind, uh, the, the escaped convict that we were dealing with when I was in high school. And he was quite close to, um, where I grew up in, uh, Cecil County, Maryland. There's, uh, uh, this gentleman's name was Norman Johnson, by the way, he was in prison and this was in 1999. Um, he was in prison for a quadruple murder, um, which they actually made a movie about that starred uh, Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. The movie was called At Close Range. Well, this this gentleman, Norman Johnson, he he escaped from um, prison in 1999, and it was rumored that he had some some stash or, or cash of um, treasure or funds uh, buried somewhere in the, in the county where I live, specifically uh, at a place called Fairhill Natural Resource Center, which is like a, a five or six thousand acre um, a preserve that's like two miles down the road from where I was. So I can remember, um, 1999, I, you know, I would have been 16 years old, uh, sophomore or junior in high school. I remember, you know, uh, this going on, it was August. Um, it was summertime. I remember, you know, my grandfather and my dad, you know, having their, their guns loaded or, or whatever it was. And ultimately they found this gentleman, uh, they cornered him like a mile north of the of the Delaware border, and and he gave up after like a, a two and a half week search and just said, uh, "I'm tired. Like you guys got me. I'm ready to go back." It's constantly being on the way, I'm on the run. And I have to imagine that's what's going on with with the the, the current escapee, the uh, Denel um, Cavalcante, because you know if they've got the helicopters out at twenty four seven. He's being pursued. Um, it, you can't imagine how long this is going to last, given the the technology available um, in this day and age to to track and pursue people. And so, um, hopefully, he doesn't harm anybody. And 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 obviously, we we don't want um, any additional injuries or certainly deaths. Um, but it makes for a very interesting story, uh, something different um, outside of the aliens and then all the stuff that we've seen in in twenty twenty three to get. Uh, an escaped convict story that that we can follow along with as uh, a nation. So if you haven't seen that one yet, uh, do give a second to uh, Google it and and check it out. Uh, and then the last thing I guess I'll wrap up on, because we said we we're going to keep it short, is uh, Beaver Creek, like Gerardo said, will be there uh, next week. There's a Precious Metals Summit that, that goes on there. It's a good conference. Uh, lots of one-on-one meetings. Um, lots of gold, silver, copper companies in, in attendance. Uh, lots of com- camaraderie and um, you know, lots of talks at that the at the bar after the the, the meetings as well. So uh, we'll be there. We'll be shooting interviews with the uh, sponsor companies from from Resource Stock Digest that are in attendance. So do look forward to 
um, you know, a, a dozen or more new interview videos from Research Select Digest in the coming weeks after we get back and um, start getting those uh, edited and uh, produced. But what we wanted to ask for was was questions. You know, maybe we'll put a link to the exhibitors in the um, description of this video, and, and please do submit questions in the in the form of you know comments on this video. What companies are you interested in that are going to be there? What uh, sort of questions um, would you like to um, ask them? Um, and is there, you know, any in particular that are, you know, outside of Resource Stock Digest or the, the, the ones that we typically talk about that um, you have an interest in? So um, please do sub submit uh, your questions in the form of a comment below this video. And, and we look forward to um, checking them out. And then next week, we'll record this podcast from uh, Beaver Creek as we typically do every uh, September. So um, it'll be a video. Me and Gerardo will will be in person, and, and hopefully we can uh, talk about some of those questions and comments that you put below this video. Uh, Gerardo just messaged me. It sounds like he was having uh, internet connectivity issues. It said it kicked him out, and, and he was not able to get back in. So um, sorry for the technical glitch. Sorry you had to um, hear my soliloquy there for a, a little bit. But uh, next week we'll be together, and we will be in Beaver Creek, and, and we look forward to discussing... Uh, Precious Metals Companies with you then. Uh, until next week, I am uh, Nick Hodge for uh, my partner, Gerardo Del Real, and um, go to Daily Profit Cycle, sign up for the free letter there, check out Resource Stock Digest, uh, look at the publications at, at digestpublishing.com, and uh, of course, be sure to, to like this video and, and subscribe to the uh, Bizarro World channel. This has been uh, Investing in Bizarro World, number 235. Hey there, you independent-minded investor. If you like this video, make sure to tell us so by clicking the like button below. Subscribe to our channel so you never miss another one. And share it with everyone you know on social media. You can also click the link in the description below to check out more information-packed videos just like this one. Thanks for watching.